Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... Whether you're an entrepreneur and an economic developer, whatever it is, whatever path you have chosen to create change in the world, find your accomplices. Find people and other organizations who share your mission and have a conversation around what you could do together that neither one of you could do on your own. Because I believe that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts if we manage to find a way to communicate with each other and find a way to collaborate and create something greater. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Annika Horn. Annika Horn is on a mission to build entrepreneurial ecosystems for social change around the world. Anchored in her belief that a rising tide lifts all boats, she's helping champions and advocates of social entrepreneurship take a systems approach to supporting purpose-driven founders in their communities. Rooted at the intersection of systems thinking, social impact and storytelling, she helps changemakers lead impact-driven careers and meaningful lives by equipping them with thought-provoking insights, field-tested resources and a strong peer community at Social Ventures. Previously, Annika co-founded Unreasonable Lab VA, Virginia's first mini-accelerator for social entrepreneurs, co-starters, which is a startup program for idea stage founders, and RebelCon, a boutique conference for entrepreneurial women. At the same time, she worked with high-growth startups at a nationally-ranked accelerator program, Lighthouse Labs, and spearheaded the B Corp movement in Virginia as the state's official beekeeper. Prior to her work in North America, Annika earned a Bachelor of European Studies and Masters of Sustainability Sciences in Germany, France and Australia, where she spent a decade working in journalism, non-profits, government and the private sector. So Annika, it's the second time you're on the podcast. The last time we spoke was literally five and a half odd years ago. It's an absolute pleasure to have you back. Thanks for joining. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back. Let's catch up. The audience has changed and grown since we last spoke and so Please tell us more about this passion of yours for social enterprise, social entrepreneurship, for ecosystem building, and what led to your journey in this space. Well, I started out pretty idealistic when I was young in college, thinking that there must be a better way to social change than purely nonprofits and purely relying on government to do what they need to be doing to move their communities forward. I found myself in the social enterprise space in Berlin in my early 20s and just tried to figure out how can I better support entrepreneurs. I did this work for about a decade, working with founders one-on-one, -on -one, working with founders through group programs. But at some point, I felt like I was having the same conversations over and over again. And yeah. I thought, how come I've been coaching and advising social entrepreneurs for years and they're still coming to me with the same question and especially 
facing the same challenges as before. I took a step back and became really interested more so in the systemic view of what is this system within which they're operating? What systemic barriers and challenges are they up against? And is there something we can do on that systems level mm -hmm. to increase their chances of success, help them move forward and just make this journey not be so bloody hard? Being a social entrepreneur already is an incredibly tough journey. And I figured if there's anything I can do, if I can move any levers on the systems level, I would be able to impact more social entrepreneurs than just through one-on-one -on -one conversations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's great to see you really moving towards that root cause of how you can change that system in a multiple different ways. You've got some key learnings from the last few years and doing this ecosystem building work and working alongside a range of different entrepreneurs has taught you a lot. So I know it's a pretty open-ended question, but what are some of these key things that have just been coming out for you recently? What are you seeing and what would you like to share? Since we last spoke, Tom, I really have spent the last eight years living in the US, but it wasn't really until the murder of George Floyd in 2020 that I realized everything is not hunky-dory. I never wanted to move to the US in the first place. Not to say that I don't want to live here, but I never had this American dream vision of moving to the United States. Yeah. And once I became aware of everything that's going on in the US, I really changed my perspective of the community I live in and the community that I want to live in. Just to give you a sense, according to the Social Progress Index, which compares 146 countries around the world with regards to their social progress, the US is number 61 in high school enrollment. It wow. is number 50 in personal safety. And if you can believe it, it ranks number 40 in child mortality. There's some other really staggering statistics that just shows that the American dream is not what most people think it is. Once I realized how dire the situation is for really the majority of Americans, I realized that entrepreneurship is and always has been a powerful tool, but it doesn't even have to be social entrepreneurship in order to make a difference for people who live in poverty, who don't have access to healthcare, who suffer from a less than mediocre education system. I shifted my perspective a little bit away from pure social enterprises at really just looking at how can we use entrepreneurship for people to create options for themselves, to create opportunities, to get out of really tough situations and just create and sustain a livelihood for them and their families, which is what I've been doing over the last year here in the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. It's a lovely place of the world from what I hear. <laughs> and so locally speaking, what is the focus of the work? What are you seeing as some of the key themes emerging in this field to your local area? The area that I currently live, work and play in is called the Shenandoah Valley. It is a stretch along one of the main interstates here in the US, the I-81. And it's a stretch of about 143 miles, which is something like 200 kilometers, I think. It's a really vast rural region where we are trying to not only promote entrepreneurship as an opportunity for people who can't work under the current conditions, but we're specifically focusing on black and brown entrepreneurs, women founders, and people who are generally considered underserved and trying to not just provide, like I said earlier, programming or one-on-one -on -one support. I was really hired to convene all of the other entrepreneurial support organizations. So think about incubators, accelerators, advisory services, co-working spaces, so on and so forth. Yep. For us to get together and say, hey, how can we as a region 
do a better job of serving entrepreneurs and serving especially underserved entrepreneurs. I've been working with grassroots organizations, other nonprofits, economic developers, and any variety really of entrepreneurial support organization to figure out how we as an ecosystem builder can do a better job of knowing what's going on, referring entrepreneurs, and just breaking down some of those silos that exist in most ecosystems. The hope is that by us communicating with each other, sharing opportunities and breaking open those silos, we will be better situated to serve entrepreneurs in our communities, especially those who are underserved or living in really far-flung rural areas. Mm. It's interesting work. And so what I'm curious to hear is if you were to give some advice from what you've learned in this ecosystem building space to other change makers or similar organizations around the world seeking to really do this in their local communities, what would you tell them? I would say whether you're an entrepreneur, an economic developer, whatever it is, whatever path you have chosen to create change in the world, find your accomplices. Find people and other organizations who share your mission and have a conversation around what you could do together that neither one of you could do on your own. I believe that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts if we manage to find a way to communicate with each other and find a way to collaborate and create something greater. This is really nebulous, but I think for any change maker, I guarantee you will find 20 other people who are as passionate as you are about driving that change that you're dedicated to. Instead of being competitive or worrying about who gets funded and who doesn't and who gets visibility in the press or who gets the right mentors, throw everything into one pot, focus on what you do best and see what collaboration can emerge from this greater vision that you're all pursuing. I think in the end of the day, if we're here to serve others, it shouldn't be about our ego. It should be about collaborating for the greatest impact and seeing what we can create together that we wouldn't be able to do on our own. That's fantastic advice. It really is. So tell us about some different organizations or enterprises out there that are really doing some fantastic work in this ecosystem building field. One that probably wouldn't call themselves an ecosystem builder, but that I've always looked up to for their model is Patagonia. Mm. Patagonia has invested heavily in research and finding and developing materials that are more environmentally friendly, that have a a lower carbon and water footprint in production. And instead of being a purely capitalist company who wants to make the most out of their invention, they've actually shared their patents really widely with the industry. They wanted their competitors to have access to that top-notch knowledge. Even though it would probably mean that Patagonia couldn't capitalize on this investment, it was more important to them to share this insight so that the planet is better off. So I think they're a really good example of taking this ecosystem building approach and thinking about what is something that we can contribute that will make the whole better off, even if it's not a direct financial return on investment. Most of my resources over the last eight years have been pretty US focused, but we have a number of organizations here that are really driving this field forward. There is the Startup Champions Network. There is the, an organization called NBIA that convenes entrepreneurial ecosystem builders. We have a new initiative called the Ecosystem Building Leadership Project which is a group of ecosystem builders who are really passionate about moving this field forward and doing research and really establishing it as its own profession. All of those organizations are accessible from anywhere in the world and anyone can 
sign up for the newsletters, become part of their online communities, become a member and learn more about the field of ecosystem building. Oh, it's lovely. It's great to hear. I can't help but mention Patagonia's recent news that Yvonne Chouinard, the founder, announced only a few months ago now in terms of their new ownership structure and how ultimately all of their profits now go back into initiatives that go towards sustaining the planet and the earth. So I really encourage all of our audience to Google what happened there because it is really globally leading in this space. So to finish off, Annika, what books or resources would you recommend to our listeners? Obviously, I got to plug my own show. It's called Ecosystems for Change. I started in January 2022 to host a show where I interview ecosystem builders from all around the world to share some of their hardest won lessons, their war stories, and their greatest experiences in this field. I encourage anyone to just go check it out. We talk about things like what really is systems change and what is our role in systems change. We talk about what is even ecosystem building and who can be an ecosystem builder. Spoiler, everybody who's passionate about driving change can be an ecosystem Mm. builder. We had a whole season about burnout. And at the end of 2022, we wrapped up a season about social capital and how your personal relationships and the strength and quality of your network can really help you as a change maker transform your community and move it forward. Obviously, that is my favorite resource. And over the course of this first year of the podcast, we have gathered over 80 resources because I love asking this exact same question to my interview guests. I have a long list of books and articles and other resources for ecosystem builders. And two that really stand out are The Rainforest by Victor Wang and Greg Horowitz. He talks about how you can create a Silicon Valley and really breaks down this idea of what is an entrepreneurial ecosystem and how might you go about building that. The second resource, it's the Bible of our field of ecosystem building is the Startup Community Way by Brett Feld and Ian Hathaway. That one gets referred to a lot because it really is a great manual and an introduction into what is ecosystem building. And one book I really like that I think is not getting enough love out there is The Infinite Game by Simon Mm. Sinek. Really breaks it down for any change maker to distance ourselves a little bit from the change that we're constantly trying to create and understanding that we are players in a process that has been going on for decades and will go on for hundreds of years. We can contribute what we can contribute, but it's okay to step out of the game when you need to be it for personal reasons, well-being, or you simply run out of the resources or the will to continue playing. I found that really sobering to remind myself that even though I want to change the world, I am one small player who needs to take care of herself first. And if there's anything left, I can contribute to my community and try to transform it. Highly recommend The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. It's a great way to finish off the podcast with some stellar advice to Annika. So Thank you so much for joining us again this time. I hope it doesn't take us five years again to get the next episode out with you, Annika. But until we do speak, I wish you the best of luck and we can't wait to follow your journey and see where you take this brilliant work of yours. Great talking to you, Tom. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.